the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Together here in 21st century Exeter to reflect on how Paul, writing his letter to a first century Christian community, can help us in our own personal and corporate community walks of faith. And over the last three weeks, Adrian, Gemma and Andrew have taken us through chapters 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians. They've identified key principles Paul wanted the Corinthians to learn. Now you may have noticed that the title of this evening is is actually different from what's on the term card or, or was in the focus. I've titled it this, We Are Church, We Are to Build Up. And back in chapter 12, in verse 7, Paul tells the people of God in Corinth a key principle, which should shape how spiritual gifts are used. Let me read it to you. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Spiritual gifts are to benefit the whole community. And in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul takes the principle and he restates it, particularly for church services, when the community of faith is gathered rather than scattered, and particularly gathered in, in a worship setting uh, in, the, in the first century. And in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 14, he says this, Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. And again, at the end, actually outside of the passage we're going to look at tonight, but towards the um, second half of 1 Corinthians 14, he says this. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. And in the chapters we're going to look at tonight, Paul questions whether the ways that the gifts are being used by the Corinthians builds people up. So let us pray. As we begin thinking and reflecting on what does 1 Corinthians 14 have to say to us in a different century, millennium, different country, different culture, different lived experiences. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we gather here tonight, we continue to welcome you by your Spirit. Father, we know that gifts of the Spirit has led people to all sorts of disagreements. Father, we pray that we can accept diversity in unity as we stand together, united by Christ. Help us, Father, with open hearts to to be ministered to you through your word tonight. Any words that come from me, I pray we would all forget. But we do ask for your spirit to guide us through what can be, for some people, a difficult subject. Amen. So Paul is going to tell us about why he thinks some gifts are more appropriate than others in the setting of of, of this church service. Why some, um, sorry, which gifts and why they can be used, and which gifts and why actually they may not be used, or it's Perhaps they shouldn't be used in church services. Of course, you may not be familiar with the two gifts. It may not be your lived experience. 
your encounter of the Spirit in the, in the way that you've worshipped today and in, and in the past. Because we're looking particularly at the gift of speaking in tongues and the gift of prophecy. So as Ruth comes and is going to read chapter 14, verses 1 to 25 to us, try and note, how does Paul describe those gifts? Okay, this is... Thank you. Uh, This is 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you've got Church Bible, it's on 1,090. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For those who speak in a tongue do not speak to other people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But those who prophesy speak to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Those who speak in a tongue edify themselves, but those who prophesy edify the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Those who prophesy are greater than those who speak in tongues, unless they interpret so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, If I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, those who speak in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can the others, who are now put in the same situation as an inquirer, say amen to your thanksgiving, since they do not know what you are saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but the others are not edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law it is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. Even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign Not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Brilliant. Thank you. It's quite a long passage. So 
Fortunately, it does break down. Sorry, I couldn't go for three points in the same letters. So I've, 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 I've gone for four. So why prophecy builds up, part one, verses one to five, as you can see. Why speaking in tongues may not build up. Then why speaking in tongues may build up. And then why prophecy builds up, part two. We're going to explore them all in turn, but we're going to spend more time on the first one. So, why prophecy builds up. Verse 1 in this passage is Paul's one-line statement of his position to the Corinthian church, which he then unpacks in verses 2 through to 5, and then further justifies in the rest of the passage that you've heard read by Ruth this evening. Verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Let's start, follow the way of love. Paul's drawing on what he's already said in chapter 13, which Andrew talked about last week. So if you didn't hear him, I was blown away last week. I have to say that's one of the best, um, for me personally, that's one of the best sort of reflections on 1 Corinthians 13. It's online. If you didn't hear it, I'd recommend you just to listen to it. Paul calls on the Corinthians to be motivated by love. Their attitude to their neighbours, to both those who worship God and those who don't, should be one of love. They need to have the right attitude when deciding when to use the spiritual God, uh, gifts that God has given them. For those who've heard the previous talk in We Are Church... You'll already have heard how many of the Corinthians were acting in their own self-interests, disregarding the needs and views of others, prioritising their own interests over the top of other people. So in chapter 14, of course, Paul once again tells them to reject the cultural values by which they used to live and instead embrace the God-given values of agape love. And of course, that's something that we have to do regularly, isn't it? We need to reflect on what are the attitudes that we have when we're serving or ministering or working with both those inside and outside the Christian community. Whose values are we using? Are we using the world's values? They may look differently than the values of the world back in first century Corinth, but there are values. Or are we using God's given values? Agapeic love. He goes on, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Paul wants all the gifts of the Spirit to be sought and used for the benefit of the entire community. After all, if you were with us um, when Adrian was talking back in chapter 12, he's already told them, Paul's already told them about and listed at least some of the gifts back there. And there are other lists scattered around the New Testament all those different gifts are given by God through the same Holy Spirit. They're equally valid. And that's partly, again, Gemma was talking about the second half of chapter 12, about unity and diversity. There are many different gifts. There's one Spirit. And then he goes on. Especially prophecy. As we'll come to see as I carry on, the gifts need to be used appropriately and at the right time and in the right place. And this is why when it comes to church gatherings in Corinth, 
Paul identified the gift of prophecy as the most important one. The gift of prophecy is more important than tongues because, according to verse 4, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies, builds up, grows, edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. See, Paul is concerned about who benefits when a gift is used publicly in regular church services. He's not talking about on your own at home. He's not talking about maybe small groups that meet at other times, but in the central church service. Tongues only builds up the person, he's saying, since no one understands what is being said. As it says here, verse 2, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So we learn from our passage tonight that the gift of tongues enables those with that gift to testify about the love and goodness of God. (coughs) They can speak in tongues to praise God. They're able to pray to God directly from their spirits, their emotions perhaps, and their hearts. But it happens in a language which others can't understand. They cannot make sense of, cannot learn about the character and activity of God through. So Paul tells them that the gift of tongues cannot build others up. But prophecy can, since people can understand the response to what is being said by the prophet. As it says in verse 3. The gift of prophecy seeks to strengthen, encourage and comfort people. Paul helpfully here explains the purpose of prophecy. Now I want to take a couple of minutes now to dig a little bit deeper into the gift of prophecy before returning back uh, to chapter 14. I think Paul's first century term prophecy, perhaps Old Testament as well I would say, is referring to something overlapping with what we in Belmont, following the completion and giving by God of his Holy Scripture, in our 21st century evangelical church tradition, might call preaching. I think there's an overlap between 1st century (coughs) prophecy and 21st century preaching. I'm going to unpack it a little bit. Don't know if you agree with me or not. Come and find me afterwards. We can chat. For me, preaching is not simply teaching. There's a qualitative difference between them. Prophecy in the Old Testament... There we go. Prophecy in the Old Testament talks a lot about why life was... Well, like it was. Why things were happening to the people of God. Why exile was coming or had come. How the people of God should respond to their current situations and circumstances. It's true that prophets explained about the future and what the future held. But the role of the prophet was to help the people draw near to God, draw closer to encourage them to act as image bearers, people who are covenant. 
in a covenant relationship with them. So that they would live faithful lives. The prophets spoke to change the wrong attitudes and behaviours of the people. So that they would be built up. They would grow in the faith, love and hope of 1 Corinthians 13, which we heard last week. So as I prayed and I sought God's guidance for what to say tonight, I was seeking to hear God's voice so that my words would strengthen, encourage and comfort us in 21st century Exeter. Preaching should not just be telling about what happened in the past back in Corinth. But what it means for us today and how we should live our lives in response to it. Prophecy in the past links the future and the past in the present. And so preaching should also do that in the 21st century. We must remember that Paul was not against the Corinthians using tongues. He had already said that people should eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. And of course, tongues is mentioned in chapter 12, in the chapter 12 list, and it's mentioned in chapter 13. The point he makes in chapter 14 is that all gifts should be used appropriately. Time and again, he reminds the Corinthian church that the gift of tongues is a good gift since it it comes from God through the Holy Spirit. As he says in verse 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. And Paul himself has the gift of tongues. So we read in verse 18, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. And at the end of chapter 14, outside of what Ruth read, we have verse 39. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. The problem Paul had, as I've stated already, was that all public speaking during a service should help the community to grow in faith. People should leave every church meeting with their faith confirmed and even increased with a stronger hope about God's activity in and plans for this world and a greater love for God and their neighbours. That faith, hope and love from 1 Corinthians. But for this to happen, it does require the cooperation of those who are listening. Now, I'm not sure that I always come to our gatherings with this attitude of anticipation that I come expecting to grow in faith as God ministers to us through the gifts and talents he has given each of us, empowered by the Holy Spirit. I think it can be very helpful to pause either individually or together and prepare our hearts, our minds and spirit at the start of every service to reorientate ourselves, in a sense to step out of time and space almost from the busyness and from our lived experiences. And to anticipate and to expect to experience God's strengthening, encouragement and comforting through what you see, what you hear and what you experience. 
So may I encourage all of us to expect God's prophetic voice to speak into our lives through each service. Now, I've deliberately taken quite a bit of time to go just through those first five verses. So you'll be hopefully glad to know that we're going to go a lot faster through, through the rest as, as it's reinforcement of that message. Why prophecy... Um, that's the congregation, sorry, there we go. Why tongues may not build up, verses 6 to 13. In verses 6 to 13, Paul uses three different examples to illustrate why speaking in tongues does not build others up. So let's go through them relatively quickly. First example is musical instruments, the pipe or harp. Only communicate if they follow the musical conventions which people understand. Now, last year, I had the advantage of my daughter living in Cheltenham, so we, we went along to the Cheltenham Jazz Festival. Absolutely amazing. We've already booked this year to go along. Excellent. Recommend it totally. On Saturday, we visited two different venues and heard two different jazz singers. We had a meal while listening to Dana Masters, who was brilliant, sort of a really soulful jazz singer. And then we li- went to listen to Liz Wright, who was a more gospel didn't expect it, didn't say it was going to be gospel, gospel jazz and sort of Southern Baptist background, fascinating. Deep South, absolutely amazing. They were brilliant to listen to. And then on Sunday, we went to hear Fergal McCready in the middle. World recognised musician, award winner. And if you're into experimental jazz... Well, the first piece lasted 25 minutes of sound. (laughs) Alison and I did not have a clue what was going on. Other people standing ovations and all sorts. And we just sat there again. Not that we'd paid money for it and we were cross about that. Amazing performance, but it's just like... So I'll go back to the soulful jazz next, next year. It made no sense to us. And Paul tells the church that tongues can make no sense to those who don't understand what is being said. Example two. A military trumpet is only effective if the trumpeter plays the notes in the order that every soldier has been taught to recognise. If these aren't used, of course, the soldiers don't know which direction to go. Are they meant to go into battle? Are they meant to go back? What are they meant to do? The plans of the commanders will not be carried out. Prophecy, in many respects, communicates God's plans for those listening in words where they can hear and understand his truth, his commands, his instructions on how to live faithful lives. Example three. I'm embarrassed to admit, I'm useless at modern foreign languages. I can't blame my teachers It's my poor attitude. I was actually asked to leave my German O-level course when I scored minus 12 out of 30 on a dictation exam where you lost one mark for every mistake and the paragraph was only about 10 lines long. (laughs) I'm one of those embarrassing Brits abroad that needs a menu. You can have the German or whatever and then it's got the English bit underneath. And of course, I never stop to ask directions when I'm driving abroad. And it's not just because I'm male. It's because I wouldn't have a clue what the people said in response to it. You only 
can hear and take on board ideas if you speak the same language. So let me read verse 12 to you again. Oops, I think where are we going? Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. What Paul is saying is that tongues in this context, on their own, cannot build up the church. But of course, we then move on to the next section. Why tongues may build up the church. So in verses 13 to 19, Paul offers a reason why sometimes tongues may be helpful and can build up the church. People can be built up if somebody is also present who can translate, who can interpret tongues. But verse 13, of course, says, For this reason, the one who speaks in the tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. Because the person speaking the tongue only benefits themselves when speaking, unless their spiritual language is translated <coughs> into everyday language. The gift of interpretation is the spiritual equivalent of Google Translate or Babelfish, but not quite as widely available. Hence, later on in the chapter, in verse 27 and 28, Paul says this, If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. It's about appropriateness. Paul's not saying tongues is evil, is bad, anything like that. It's about appropriate gifts of the Spirit, how to use them to build people up in a service. And Paul rounds off his argument um, in verse 19 of the passage that we're looking at. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul's focus is about maturing Christians in Corinth, surrounded by pagan ideas of different cultures, different values. His heart is about growing faithful Christians. And our final section tonight, I can get there. There we go. So why prophecy builds up part two, verses 20 to 25. Now, these are interesting verses, you may have noticed. They've been interpreted differently, so let me add my penny's worth to it. Paul ends his line of argument by adding a second reason why prophecy is valuable when the church gathers together. In verse 21, Paul quotes from Isaiah 28. Actually, it's a really bad translation, he plays around with it a little bit, but we won't go there. But verses 11 and 12 from Isaiah 28, where the people of God are warned that foreigners are coming to take them into exile. They're being exiled due to their failure to live faithful lives as the covenant people of God. Hearing foreign voices, hearing voices they don't understand, is a sign of God's judgment falling on them. When unbelievers hear people speaking in tongues, it is a sign of the coming judgment of God on their unbelief. Because if these people hear tongues in a service, they won't understand what is being said. 
They will not hear that they need to turn away from their idolatry and worship God. They will not hear that they need to say sorry to God, to repent for walking away from him and not towards him. They will not hear how Jesus died for them to restore the broken relationship between them and and God, the Father. That Jesus' sacrifice will purify them from sin. That they can escape the coming judgment day. So Paul contrasts how tongues can only bring judgment here, whereas prophecy can bring faith, hope and love. Verses 24 to 25. But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. As the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. So while chapters 12 and 13 teach the Corinthians important principles about how to understand the role of the Holy Spirit and of spiritual gifts in the church. Chapter 14 serves as a case study of how to use those gifts within a certain setting. Paul reminds us that the gifts are given for the benefit of others. Chapter 14 tells us that the gifts of the Spirit are given to help some people to grow in faith and others to grow into faith so that everyone can love God and love their neighbours more and more. The Corinthians did not seem interested in serving others. Instead, it looks like they were trying to draw attention to themselves. And that is certainly not the example of a faithful life, which Jesus himself demonstrated. In Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, He writes or he recalls a poem, reminding them of Jesus' willingness to give up his privileged position in heaven and to serve others. So let me read part of it, Philippians 2, verses 5 through to 8. So in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So Jesus reveals to us the attitude each of us should have to others. In the words of Andrew last week, that agape love. Jesus reveals to us the uh, the lives we are called to live. Humble obedience to God's plans and God's purposes for God's creation. The Corinthian church had lost its way because they'd forgotten that. Jesus is the role model of how the people of God are to live. Paul reminds them in chapters 12 to 14 that all spiritual gifts are equally important as they help people to demonstrate the loving heart of God as revealed in and through the words and deeds of Jesus. I wonder how you're going to love God and love your neighbour this week. How will you use the gifts and opportunities which God has placed in your life for his glory during Monday and on and on into the week, in the circumstances and situations you find yourself in, I find myself in, 
Because of his great love for us, we've been given the privilege of being his agents of love in our broken, damaged and sinful world. He has given us the gifts to use to build others up, to help them know him, to worship him, to serve him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you give gifts to your people for the common good. You call on us all to use them to build up people, to build up others, to increase faith, hope and love in the lives of people, to draw us all closer to you and to walk the way of Jesus day by day. This week, may we sense your presence in our lives afresh, encouraging us to serve you by exercising the gifts that you have given us. Whether we're gathered or scattered in and around Exeter, may we have the courage to receive and use your spiritual gifts to build up others and glorify you. Amen. Thank you. Christmas um, and we're going to just focus our prayers